Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here, Hawks Insiders. It is uh, Sunday evening, a few hours after an entertaining afternoon at the MCG, despite the result. Hawthorne 10-8-68, lost to Collingwood 10-12-72 in front of nearly 43,000. Many who were sodden by the end of the game. It was a pretty wet old day, not me. I was in the joys of the MCC committee room, and I'm going to talk about that in more detail on our spaces, which will be Tuesday night this week when we get to the fan experience. It was an entertaining way to, and a fun way to watch a footy. But uh, nonetheless, I think I was the only one of the three of us who was there, but uh, my two co-hosts have studied the game exhaustively in the aftermath and are ready to offer their player rankings. So I say good evening to Andrew Weiss. Good evening, Ash. G'day, Daz, and hello to everyone. Yes, I definitely wish I was there. Uh, worked hard throughout the week to get out of a family function to no avail. So Ethan and I got home after and watched it without knowing any details, the score as though it was live. Um, and disappointing results in the moment, but full of positives and full of exciting things to discuss, which we'll no doubt get into. How long does it take to watch a game if you fast forward after the goals and uh, the quarter breaks and half time? Nah, only fast forwarding through the breaks, the main breaks, because too often in the past, the KO experience is horrible. You often get let down with needing to start it again and the score being shown. Uh, the, the only way really to guarantee it is to sit through it in real time uh, or to leave the room and get someone in the house who's not interested in watching it <laughs> to get you to the next moment. So um, the, the, the quarters themselves, we watch them all in real time. Hello, Dad. Hello. That was yeah, my experience as well. It was the first game that I've watched this year on replay. It was our daughter's birthday party this year and I couldn't get out of that one so my, my eldest daughter and I watched the game on replay and it's just such a stressful experience thinking that you may press the wrong button that'll show you the score but thankfully we watched it like it was in real time and thought it was yeah I was, I was pretty impressed with the effort today especially thought we were, we were gone in that second quarter and that third quarter was just playing contested footy playing really well in the conditions and kind of the polar opposite of last week in a lot of ways. The third quarter was terrific. A totally different game plan. Uh, everybody lifted. It was, uh, it was stirring stuff. But uh, you can sort of tell. Um, and those three shots on goal in the last quarter, they all missed. I, I, you had the feeling watching if they could get to a two-and-a-half goal lead in that, those conditions, it probably would have been enough. Couldn't see Con kicking three, but they left the door slightly jar for Collingwood uh, to win. And then Cog actually played probably the last 10, 15 minutes. They controlled the game again. So anyway, we'll get through each player. Uh, we'll talk more in depth about what it all means um, when we reconvene there on Tuesday night with the rest of the guys. So we'll start with uh, Harry Morrison uh, for Hawthorne. 24 disposals, 12 kicks, 12 handballs, six marks, two tackles, 80% defensive half, 75% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, Five turnovers, seven intercept possessions, didn't trouble the scorers. Uh, 363 metres gained. He did not attend a centre bounce. We'll kick off with you, Andrew. Yeah, look, I thought that Harry's first half was potentially one of the best first half of footballs I've ever seen him play. And probably behind CJ, I thought was our best player 
in the first half. So um, that was incredible. I thought he faded significantly in the second half, which is interesting because obviously the second half we got on top and um, were riding the contest. So um, I thought he faded as the game went on, but he definitely was in our top core of players. So happy enough with his performance. I've given him a seven out of ten. Jeez, if he gets a seven out of ten, then I think everyone it's going to be very high rankings for a defeat um, today. There are, and I'm going to preface tonight by saying, and I haven't looked specifically at the order, but I'm very happy with a lot of our players today. Yeah, there will be will lots get, of high ranking. Yeah, a lot of players will get pass marks today. Very few won't. I think uh, that's fair to say. Before we move on from Harry, though, I just want a special mention to that goal where he set up Bruce where he, it was such a clever kick, how he kind of just just hooked it over his body um, and it landed in Bruce's, um, it was a great mark by Bruce, but yeah, just special mention, mention to that kick and it just shows how smart a player he is. I want to talk about Morrison, that he's gone from being sort of 19 to 22 in the side to probably now 10 to 18. He's sort of absolutely cemented himself in the team now. He's had a pretty good season when there were clearly players coming for his spot, but to his credit, he's worked hard and made a spot in the team his own. So he's had a good, uh, had a pretty good season, really. Mitch Lewis, speaking of good seasons, 14 disposals, uh, three marks, zero tackles, four goals, zero, 71% disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions. He had um, 321 metres gained, he had um, uh, zero goals. His seven score involvements. He was immense. Four goals out of ten on a day like that. I mean, the third quarter was as wet as it's been at the footy in Melbourne that I can remember for some time. Certainly outdoors. Um, stood up beautifully today. Played an excellent game. Yeah. Yeah, he was unbelievable today, and you know, I think the commentators sort of mentioned how he just didn't lose a contest the whole day. Um, just attack, his attack on the footy, his leadership, his willingness to kind of throw himself at, at, at every contest and kicking four goals straight in those conditions. I just, it was just such a complete forward game. Worked up at ground. I don't know what more to say. It's a nine for me. It was, it was just terrific. How about his confidence as well? Like there was that passage of play where, he got caught and tackled, but he just he ran flat out at the ball. I'm not sure if it was the third or the last but It ran flat out at it, got gang tackled. It was a ball up, but, you know, normally you'd be standing on the periphery, but he, he was just on. He took it, he ran through, and, like, that's what you want. He was a bulking, bulking forward and, yeah, was brilliant. He will be Tom Hawkins in five years' time. Um, Mitch Lewis, he's going to be a very, very hard man to dislodge. And if he, he will impose his, when he has the inclination, he will impose his will on games. Uh, it's going to be, he could be scary, scarily good in a couple of years. And you have to think that given the way goal kicking works these days and it gets shared around, there is probably a common medal in his sights at some stage. He'll have a year where he just, you know, no one kicks a bag, huge bag to win any ball, but he'll have a year where he kicks 65 goals or something like that and probably good enough. To get him a common two or three years and Hawthorne's an even better side. Uh, he's got a really rosy future. And now uh, the club needs to get him signed. There's the suggestion that there, there, there's a couple of uh, 
minor hitches in the renegotiation before I actually need to do the right thing now and get pen to paper because he's becoming a very important part of the side and one of the better players in the side. Uh, Mitch, uh, Tom Mitchell, uh, 32 disposals, 13 kicks, 19 handballs, two marks, seven tackles, 78% defensive half, 59% disposal efficiency. He had uh, nine turnovers, which is uh, yeah, a slight concern. Two, two score involvements, 464 metres gained. He had um, let's say three clearances, uh, nine centre bounce attendances overall. Uh, what do you make of his game, Andrew? Yeah, well, I actually thought he was fantastic by the fact that um, you mentioned his disposal efficiency and the clangers or turnovers and, and certainly by foot, you could clearly feel that he wasn't disposing of the ball as well as he can, but consistently over four quarters, he was probably our most consistent player today in terms of the better players over four quarters of football. Thought he did really well outside of outside of that efficiency. But yeah, I thought he had a pretty good game and would be in contention for, you know, the votes when it comes to Thursday night and us talking about who we'd give votes to. Uh, I gave him a seven and a half out of ten. Tuesday this week. Uh, his quarter by quarters was eight, eleven in the second quarter, eight in the third, and Hawthorne came back five in the last. I think like a few of the Hawthorne players. He hit a bit of a wall in the last quarter, having worked so hard to get back in the game. Jarman Impey wears number four for Hawthorne, and he had 20 disposals, 10 kicks, 10 handballs, each of two, as Peter Landy would have said, two marks, four tackles, maybe defensive half, 75% disposal efficiency, six turnovers, six, six intercept possessions, uh, 300 metres gained exactly... Uh, what did you make of his game, Daz? A um, bit of a weird one for Jars. I think he got a lot of the footy, got a lot of the footy in the second quarter. Um, I, th- I think he had a reasonable game, turned it over a bit, was just there when we needed him at certain times, made the wrong decision at certain times. And I'm st- he's still not back to his peak form, Jars, but it was, a, it was, it was an okay game. So I'm going to give him a going to give him a six. He he certainly took the game on at every opportunity. Even more so than usual, there was a couple of breakneck uh, bits of play where they they sort of worked their way out of space, and then often there was a couple of clangers there with the turnover. But uh, he certainly he certainly uh, his energy was his energy levels were, were terrific in the game. The execution wasn't always quite there. James Sicily, acting captain of the Hawthorne Football Club, 24 disposals, uh, seven marks and a tackle, 100% defensive half, although he, he was hovering around the forward line in that last minute trying to get the ball, see if he, uh, they could get the ball to him to try and have a shot on goal. Pretty much everyone pushed forward in that last frantic couple of minutes. It was a bit like rugby that last couple of minutes. It was a territory game. Forward, forward, forward. They worked their way forward. It wasn't pretty. All the playmakers were in the forward half. 450 pretty much for the end, but they couldn't um, couldn't get the deal done. He um, 119 minutes. He didn't actually didn't not leave the ground. Sis, 119 minutes, 36 seconds on the ground of 119.36. There you go. 631 meters gained, which is certainly very good as well. He had 12 rebound 50s, two inside 50s, 11 uh, one percenters. Um, 
I thought, I'm just looking here for a one-score involvement, I said, um, seven turnovers, 11 intercept possessions. Pretty good game again, I would have thought, from the captain, Andrew. Yeah, and I should probably at this point declare a conflict of interest because I love James Sicily. So I'm happy to give this rating. And Ethan and I both during the week, you know, as you do have your discussion about who your three favourite current footballers are. And that's James Sicily's number one for both of us at the moment. The 12 rebounds, um, he was confident, spoiling, I don't know if you've got the spoil stats, Ash, but I assume there's a significant number there. Um, he, uh, Kyle Hardigan actually allowed him to play that floating role a little bit more again, even with no Sam Frost. There is no doubt at this point that he has a spot in the All-Australian team and, again, that he should be captain next year. I gave him an 8 out of 10. I don't have the spoil stats here. I'm so confirming that would be good. Um... Yeah, we'll talk about Hardigan, by the way. Hardigan's had a really good game and uh, I think allowed Sicily to be Sicily as well. So we'll talk about Hardigan a bit later down the track. Number nine was uh, Chankov Giaf. Seven disposals, three marks, three tackles and his first ever... I didn't realise he had never kicked a goal before, but uh, first goal for Hawthorne after the requisite uh, bit of drama with the uh, score review, but uh, the goal was paid. Uh, he had five contested possessions. He had uh, four turnovers, five intercept possessions. He had one score involvement. That might have been his, I think. Um, 312 metres gained, which they say is average. He had uh, say three tackle, seven one percenters. I thought CJ played really well today. I thought. Speaking of conflicts of interest, Daz, yeah, it's um, <laughs> my daughter's got number nine on her back and we both absolutely love CJ and it's good to see him back in form. Um, he gave us, a, I think, when we were looking pretty sluggish in the, in the first, first you know, quarter and a half, he was the one to give us some run. Loved him kicking his first goal. I think it was just such a great moment and the, and the, the kind of tense build-up with, with that goal of you and, and then the moment of elation, I really love that. And, yeah, gave us a lot of run all day and, you know, just wins or halves most contests. Um, and with the ball in hand, he's, he's the one to get us going. So, again, the barometer and he just continues to get better every week. I have a good fortune watching the game. Very, very close proximity to Russell Green today. And it would be fair to say that Green, he loves CJ like a son. If every time we get the ball, it gets very excited. So uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that on the spaces on Tuesday night. Number 10, Jago Mira, 18 disposals. One mark, 10 tackles. Um, he had uh, even mix of forward and defensive half. 56% disposal efficiency. Six turnovers, one intercept possession. Four score involvements. He had 17 centre bounce attendances. Four inside 50s. Uh, it was sort of his weather today. It was, it was Jager's conditions. And I thought as the game became, I don't think he starred today, I'll be interested in the ranking um, that he gets, but it was his sort of weather and I thought his physicality uh, that he brought on the game was pretty good. 
Yeah, I think especially um, as the game went on, that physicality was present in the last quarter. You know, he had a couple of clearances that were significant when we needed them. Um, I, I kind of feel like it's the good and the bad with him. Like he had seven clearances and 10 tackles, which on a day like today is significant. But for 18 touches, he had the six turnovers and the five clangers. So um, I don't know how much of the value, you know, he got caught a few times, uh, the value that was there in the grunt work that he he did, especially when we compare him to, you know, Connor Nash and how much you'd potentially expect to get more out of Jager. Having said that, um, I think for what we know his role to be now, uh, he did that pretty well today. I, I gave him a six out of ten. Yeah, it's, I would have given him a six. So that summed it up. Another player who was very much at home in the weather must have reminded him at home. I think Connor Nash, eighteen disposals, one mark, six tackles, fifty uh, percent disposal efficiency. He had um, eight contested, nine uncontested possessions, seven turnovers, one intercept possession. Uh, he had. 13 centre bounce attendances. So, so far, I've already counted two players with more centre bounce attendances than Tom Mitchell. Uh, we've got a few to get through as well. Uh, I thought he's, again, on a day when the ball was on the ground a lot and it was strength and it was bullocking and it was just territory, nothing pretty. I thought his value to the side was really apparent today, Dad. Yeah, I. I'm going to say something semi-controversial, and I think that was his best game for the Hawthorne Footy Club. And I think he, he, he I've, I've given them him and Newcomb a new nickname, the, the Bash Brothers, just <laughs> absolutely like crash and bash midfielders, and two are really working well in tandem and giving opposition midfielders a really hard time. His physicality was uh, really suited the conditions. It was a lot of clever tapping the ball on, just played really no mess, no fuss, wet, wet weather footy. And he played it really well and just was was hard at it. Um, just got the ball moving so many times and I thought he was terrific. I'm going to give him an, an eight and a half. I thought he was brilliant. It was a very interesting discussion today uh, and the group of people I was talking to at one stage about how important he is to Hawthorne, but will he be, is he the sort of player who will be in Hawthorne's best team in three years' time? We might pass that conversation for a bit later on. We've got a bit more time. Um, the next player we'll look at was Will Day. 17 disposals, eight marks, two tackles, 93% defensive half, 82% disposal efficiency, two contested possessions, four turnovers, seven intercept possessions, 428 metres gained, he, all his marks are contested, as I said. Um, did not attend a set of bounce this week, unlike previous weeks where he was getting close to double figures. I thought he started superbly, I thought, today, Will Day. In the first 15, 20 minutes, he was Hawthorne's best player. Probably faded a bit after that. But as Sam Mitchell pointed out, post game, he's now put together, his, I think, his longest streak in the side. Uh, seems to be growing with confidence. I think he's going to be a really important player and a really good player in the second half of the season. Andrew. Yeah, I'm glad I've got him as well because my support, even through the potential injury side of things, has been unwavering. And I think today, you know, we like on 
on Thursday nights talking about the unusual um, spots that players are named in in the team in the team lineup. Um, uh, three or four of the last five or six weeks, he's actually been named in a back pocket. And the first half, that is the role that he played. He was actually either taking kick-ins or he was the first player that it was kicked to and then setting up play. And you just mentioned his disposal efficiency over 80%. I thought in the first half he was magnificent setting up play and um, running it out of defence. He definitely quietened down as the game went on, but um, just feel like it was that sort of game to remind everyone that, you know, he has the quality that we've talked about in the past. He, he had eight marks and nine rebounds from defensive 50 as well. So they're pretty good numbers for the day. Uh, I gave him a seven out of 10. Dylan, War, Dylan Moore was number 13 for Hawthorne, 16 disposals, six marks, two tackles. Did not score. How many weeks is that now since he scored a goal? Has he got a bit of a streak going? Did he score a goal against? He had a pretty long streak going, to be honest, because I remember tweeting about it for for a lot of weeks in a row. But we'll have to look that up after the after the poll. He um, six contested possessions, ten uncontested possessions. He had two score involvements. He. 374 metres gained. I've just looked it up. I think you've sold him a bit short. He um, he didn't score a goal against Richmond in round nine, but two against the Lions and one against Gold Coast. There you go. There you go. So, well, that's right. Uh, time to say 24 <laughs> hours. We'll have to get about the games after 24 hours. Um, yeah, and a, quite, uh, he's not having an impact on games. He probably had over the first six, seven week of the season, but again, in the third quarter, it was the little things that he was doing and, and really hard running, running to space, I thought, in the third quarter. One of the reasons Hawthorne got back in the game was just his work rate and his effort, Daz. Yeah, it's just one of those games where I think disposals don't really tell the full story of a player's game, just where, where the footy, people getting involved in contests or creating space or shepherding. It's just one of those one percent of games that, you know, you just don't see that on the stat sheet sometimes. And I think Dylan Moore worked really hard today, played a lot of different roles, didn't play forward. I think he played in the back half of the game for the vast majority behind the ball. So, um, yeah, I, I thought he was pretty solid, just worked really hard and played, played a number of roles. So I'm going to give him a, going to give him a seven. Number 15, we'll talk a bit about him for a couple of minutes because the coach talked about him in the post-match press conference, Blake Hardwick, 14 disposals. Four marks, five tackles, 82% a defensive half. He had uh, five contested possessions, two turnovers, eight intercept possessions. He had um, you know, two contested marks, 160 metres gained, mainly in the back line. He had eight one percenters. He had um, five tackles. He played on Jack Ginnivan for a reasonable part of the game. Um, the coach was asked about it. I don't know if you said Sam to a press conference, but the coach was asked about him after the game and said, I'm glad you asked about him. I never get asked a question about him. So maybe the secret's out finally that Blake Hardwick is a very good footballer. And I thought today he was outstanding. He was at Hawthorne's best two or three players. Yeah, totally agree. I think the Ginevan factor um, 
and gee, there's a lot of hatred for him across social media. Uh, he could be uh, the next Tom Papley for Hawthorne fans at this rate, but he kicked every two other, goals. Every other fan base, not just Hawthorne. As well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he kicked two goals and they were both from ridiculous free kicks first in the free first kick quarter. Was the second one was disgusting. Ridiculous. So he got his two goals from freeze in the first quarter, and I think it was five to zero at or five to one at six zero at time. one stage. In the yeah. So, uh, so outside of that, he's done an incredible job. And you know, you mentioned the one percenters. We all know what he does, but also, you know, there, there was a moment in the last quarter where he's not scared to. Um, physically get stuck into him as well and assert his physical dominance. There's a bit of the, um, the when he was on the ground, like pulling and pushing his jumper and um, getting stuck in as well just to, um, just to make his presence felt. So I agree with you completely. I thought he did what he did, every, did what he does every week, but to, uh, to the extreme. I gave him an eight out of 10. Yeah, again, there's a piece of paper, Mitchell single out. The, in the last quarter, Collingwood were chipping the ball around the members' side of the ground, and they had they looked like they had the man advantage with the kick into the would have been inside fifty, and Harvey just timed the spoil. It was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable that play. Yeah, I, yeah. I just could not. Believe, it was one of those moments where I just couldn't believe he he got to that to the ball. The timing was just perfection. I'm going to watch it again. After the score, because I just I just couldn't believe how well he timed that. No, he played really well today, Hardwick, and uh, you know there's been a couple of loose games for him this year, but this was one of his. This was a this was a one from the top shelf from from, from Blake Hardwick, and uh, and uh, well done for the journal for asking the question. I wonder if you might have put up for it actually. Whether sometimes the media man just sidle up to a journalist and ask about this player. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised whether Mitchell said enough's enough. This guy needs a bit of praise. So. Um, you know, I'll, I'll see what I can find out. Number 16, and I think this guy played his best game. This was back to the 2021 form for this player as well, I thought. A couple of uh, turnovers, but I thought, again, the work rate and the, the space out of back line. And confirming my suspicion, we've discussed before, he's really well suited to the MCG. Lockie Bramble, 24 disposals, five marks in a tackle, 87% defensive half. He had um, one turnover, eight intercept possessions, 466 metres gained. He had um, one to one contested mark. What else did he do? Six rebound 50s, two one percenters, uh, six kick ins. So they're trusting him with the, uh, with the ball a little bit from, from the kick outs. Uh, who's, whose turn is it to talk about? Lockie Bramble. Dad. Yeah, it's mine and I'm happy to. I think he's he's been building to this to this moment for the past few weeks. Um, obviously, the injury setbacks meant that he was sort of just not 100. He just didn't look 100% the past few weeks, but definitely been building. And it was a, it was a great game. It was a four-quarter game from him. Thought he ran out the game really well. Um, and, yeah, you know, a few turnovers that sort of cost us. But um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Bramble and definitely back to those, those pre-season heights, I would say. Yeah, he's a bit untied in the first half, but he had a few mates and Hawthorne's turnovers in the ter- first half, particularly the first quarter and a half were, were abysmal, but um, and he, he was one of the main culprits. But 
the turnaround for you know, was pretty impressive. What's interesting is with no, uh, there's no frost in the team, and Hardigan came back. And you mentioned we'll talk about Hardigan, but I think collectively, CJ Bramble, Will Day, collectively had their best uh, had their best games together as a group and. You know, you remember at the start of the year, Ash, I think you were the one uh, maybe thinking that we were overplaying a little bit when it was Bramble who was out and it was like, well, there goes there goes the season and there goes the start, having, you know, he's so important and how good was he last year. And today was the first day where he was back to the semblance of that. But the fact that that was in conjunction with, A, how good... CJ was in the first half and B, Will Day's game down back, I think, was extremely exciting. That being said, I, you know, there were times today where I was just wishing Chuck Scrimshaw's out there just for the... I uh, really missed Scrimshaw today. Just overhead. I think just his, his ability to take a contested grab and um, his aerial I ability... Know, that, 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 that Henry takes that, that mark at the end mm-hmm. with Scrimshaw... With Scrimshaw in the it, it playing in the back half, I don't, don't think it just don't think it happens. Exactly, and what that does is it also releases Bramble up the wing, where I think he can be a bit more damaging. So it's going to be it's we're going to be a better side when we talk we talk about this and we, all year we haven't the Hawthorne hasn't had every defender available, but next week I think touch wood, the day is it could be the could be the game. Travis gets Freo and I guess the flock, but. Next week could be the week he, Mitchell's got a full back line to choose from. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we've said this before, and then the injury list comes out and gives everyone a surprise. Jack Gunson, uh, eight disposals. Uh, he had two marks. Not much else to report about his game, really. It, wasn't, um, it was a difficult day for Jack. The conditions really weren't suited for him. He went back a couple of times. He was he went back a couple of times and ended up in possession that cost a goal late in the quarter with an errant handball. Then he hurt his ankle. Uh, and everyone thought, well, gee, this is what happens when they bring him back after two weeks when it was a four to six week injury. But played the game out, which is good uh, in the end. He hobbled for a bit, uh, came up and then uh, I didn't see him come back up and then noticed him back out there again. So I thought I was waiting to see dangerous Danny out warming up, but that never happened. So um, not the best day for Jack. I'm interested to know what you think they'll do with him, whether given his ankle's a bit sore, six-day break, fly to Perth, you just rest him this week and give him a good two-week break to, to get himself right, or do they send him to Perth knowing that he's got a break anyway coming up uh, for a game? They want everyone at the disposal for what's going to be a really difficult game next week against Frio. Yeah, what do you make of his game, Dad? Well, Nat Edwards said... It looks like syndesmosis injury, which I'm, I'm, which be that's because her husband's a physio, <laughs> and Shay sits there, and Shay just sits there and diagnoses all the injuries as they watch the game. So and suddenly he's probably about half a clue. Well, if you're listening now, I hope you're wrong. Um, but yeah, it, I was surprised to see him out there for that last quarter. I thought that definitely would have, would have pulled the trigger on how, and maybe how would have been the one. To, with the fresh legs to have got us the win. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a hard game for Jack. And he just, he didn't look 100% for the second he got out there. Kind of shades of the other season where he played that one game and just 
got injured and again. And yeah, I, I was my heart was in my mouth every time the ball went near him, to be honest. And he really tried, he really wanted to get that win for for Bruce and Shields. So I, I felt for him and I'm gonna abstain from giving him a rating today. Oh, it's very soft. I'll give him four just because you, you're too soft. Um, <laughs> Chad Wingard, 17 disposals, zero marks, four tackles, one goal, two, 70% in the offensive half. We'll get to that a bit. 65% disposal efficiency, 10 contested possessions. He had one goal assist, six score involvements, 38 metres gain. He had four tackles. 65 over fantasy. Looking at set 11 center bounce attendances. I think pretty much they would have been all in the second half. I can break that down as we talk about him. Uh, typical of Hawthorne, ordinary first half, electric second half, and uh, really helped get the team back in the game. I want to look at those three missable, those three goals they missed in the last quarter, uh, of which he was responsible for one, but uh, I think he might have had a bit more time. That he thought he did a bit of perceived pressure with that with a kick he missed, but uh, really important second half. But again, the frustration clearly he adds element to the midfield when he plays, but just doesn't have the tank or the body to do it for big chunks of a game. Andrew, yeah, we all know how much I've sort of banged the drums about needing to see him play more in the midfield. So the rating is based on him being effectively a forward, and yes, he had eleven and about the tendencies, I think, especially early in the third quarter, he was there and noticeable. But if we just focus on his game as a forward, overall, it was very, very good. The issue is there are two standout moments that override everything that happened in the rest of the game. And one was running into the goal and showing the ball to the fans, that that cockiness, which... um, which in the end, I mean, again, going through socials now, Collingwood supporters are sharing and liking and that gift is doing the rounds ad nauseum and rightfully so because you just shouldn't have done it. It was very, very smart play for him to look around, play on, run into the open goal, goal square. It was brilliant You're to do that. You too far, by the way. You're about 20 metres. Uh, well... <laughs> Either way, I mean, to do that to, to the fans, uh, Ethan thought it was, again, Ethan thought it was brilliant. And I just turned around to him at that point and said, if we lose, that is no good at all. And so then the, uh, the second thing that, you know, overrides the whole performance is that, that shot that you talked about, Ash. And I, he should not have missed that as part of those three misses that we had. He should not have missed that. And if he kicks that, we win the game. Like if we're three goals up at that point with any of those behinds that go through, all very gettable, we win. So it's one thing to, again, be smart enough to play on, kick the goal, show the crowd. But his moment was actually that shot to ice the game, have kicked two in the last quarter and have been our hero for winning the game. But he wasn't. And so those two incidents at the end just leave a sour taste in your mouth. So I've given him a six. Um, if that hadn't have happened at the end, I, he would have been significantly higher because his general role, he did pretty well. 
Luke Bruce in his 250th game had uh, nine disposals, one mark, two tackles, one goal, two. He had uh, two turnovers, two intercept possessions, a goal assist, six score involvements. He had uh, so two tackles, three inside 50s. Um, a quiet day, but this is increasingly what we're getting from Luke Bruce. He doesn't, he's probably not a four quarter dominant sort of player anymore. He'll get chances to do what he does really well. Difficult day, very great, happy moment when he scored the goal in the third quarter as the Hawks are starting to come back. But just an outing from him, Daz. Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a cameo playing now, Luke Bruce, and that's just where he's at in his career, unfortunately. I was wrapped for him that he got the goal and probably one of the best, better marks of his career, to be honest. I think that one will probably be played in the in the post-career highlights package that the Hawks put out. So very happy for him that he got the goal. But, but really, as you said, Ash, I don't think it was a four-quarter effort there from, from Bruce. Tried pretty hard through the game, but I think the maybe his, his, his body's sort of failing him and... Um, just not not as involved as he has been in the past. Rating? Uh, I'm going to give him a... Oh, this is hard. He played 250 games today. Um, five. Yeah, five. He gets, a, he gets bumped up a little bit for the milestone game. Jacob Kaczynski, seven disposals, two marks, three tackles and a goal. Uh, 86% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, three turnovers, two intercept possessions... He took 185 metres gained on the ground, 102 minutes. Uh, I said three tackles, two tackles inside 50, 26 ruck contests, six centre-bouts attendances. So effectively, he was the second ruckman, playing a bit in the forward line as well. Um, not one of his better, not, not one of the great games, but uh, again, I think he enjoyed the physicality in the, in the third quarter as the Hawks started to come back. He seemed to have a, seemed to be, making things happen in the third quarter. Yeah, basically unsighted in the first half and especially given the first quarter um, and how ordinary that was, I guess it was fair enough. But yeah, really, it's like one the... quarter. Two, it was zero, two, four, one, his possession. So the third quarter, he played well as the team came back in the game. Yeah, but more... So there's a couple of things. I think more importantly than the possession, he was crashing pack which was significant. You know, we didn't let any uncontested defensive marks, or not that many in terms of every time there was a contest that he was involved, he crashed the pack and really worked hard. So from that point of view, I thought his second half was encouraging. I still have no idea why. And we'll talk about Ned Reeves when we get to number 37. But it's a question for Sammy's press conference midweek. I have no idea why in the last couple of minutes when the game was there to be won, he's our ruck. Uh, as very... Nedros were stuffed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, from a game point of view, in terms of his lead in Ned Reeves, that's probably, I shouldn't say I have no idea why. That makes perfect sense and is probably the reason. And Reeves was comprehensively beaten around the ground, but not in the ruck per se. So in terms of getting first use of the ball when we needed to in the last couple of minutes, 
Um, yeah, Cozzy in the ruck didn't help that cause. I gave him a five. I thought that he tried really hard in the second half, despite being nowhere in the first. And there were really, really encouraging signs again in terms of the one-two combo with Mitch. Liam Shields, also playing game 250, 22 disposals, which was 10 kicks, 12 handballs, two marks, seven tackles. It was sort of day that he sort of thrived on, 54% disposal efficiency, six contested possessions, four turnovers, two intercept possessions, four score involvements, 247 metres gained, um, two inside 52, rebound 50s, two one percenters, no centre bounce attendances. Uh, couldn't have asked for much more from him, I would have thought, Darren, on the milestone, in the milestone game. No, and, and that's right. It was it was perfect Liam Shields conditions for his 250th. And he's he's I thought he was I thought he was finished, to be honest, a few weeks ago. And he's he's he, he went back to Box Hill in you know, just showing the character that he's shown through his whole career and fought his way back into the team and he deserves his spot. Um, the conundrum now is that you've got his understudies in Finn McGuinness and James Walpole playing extremely well at Box Hill today. So, you know, do you keep Shields in the side or do you, do you bring, bring back Finn or bring back Walpole who probably offers a bit more um, from an atta- attacking point of view? Um, but Liam Shields on form deserves to keep his spot because I thought he was a really important player t- today and he played the conditions so well like we always like we knew he would so you know it's a, it's a seven for me for Shields um, just a typical Liam, Liam Shields game and it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of his season pans out he played on steel side bottom for uh, some of the game and the side bottom had some nice moments, but didn't get off the chain. But they had, they had a really warm embrace after the game. It's like uh, two guys who played on each other a lot and obviously have a huge amount of respect for each other. It was a very nice moment post-game. Perhaps they're thinking that, that they may not play on each other again. So it was a, a nice touch there today. So Shields left nothing out there today. One of uh, probably, probably his best game for the season, actually. So what uh, they'll decide is interesting. McGinnis actually tore it up today, apparently played an outstanding game. Um, although, as you said, Daz, it was only against North. So, um, <laughs> so, so it maybe it comes as an asterisk. The North B team as well. So, there you go. Next player is a very interesting one to discuss. I don't think anyone comes before him. It is um, Kyle Hardigan. Key defender for the Hawks. Where's number 28? Playing, I think, his first game for the year. Yep. Seven disposals. There's no tell the tale. Two marks and a tackle. Um, 86% disposal efficiency. Let's go through some of the stats. Uh, five contested, two uncontested positions. Two turnovers, four intercept possessions. He had um, like one tackle, one free four, seven one percenters. Um, again, I don't have a couple of the other key stats there. Spoils, you might be able to find that uh, for me while we talk about him. But people buried their heads in their hands when he was picked in the side. People said, why is he playing? Even though DGB is struggling, he's surely a better option. 
But uh, smart coaching, I thought, from Sam Mitchell to, to put him in the side today. It was real Kyle Hardigan sort of weather. I'm not sure whether Jack, uh, whether Mychek was playing, whether he did a whole lot, whether he did play Hoskin Elliott, did two-fifths of bugger all as well. Um, Hardigan was was great today. But again, one of his more serviceable games for the footy club. It is actually the definition of the word conundrum because we look so much more defensively sound with him playing. And I, I don't know if it's just me. He actually looks like he's been in a fair paddock. He looks like he's added some girth and <laughs> like he's a unit. He actually looked like he might have been traveling a little bit slower than normal. But then in the last quarter, there were a couple of monster spoils, a couple of his monster spoils. And if you were playing to win games of footy, there's no question in my mind, if I am selecting purely to win games of footy, he's miles ahead of DGB. Like, like no question what he does structurally to that defensive unit. So the conundrum is that discussion that we've had the whole way through. Games into DJB, who's going to be there for the next decade. How long does Hardigan have left? Why has he been out of favour? What are the selectors thinking? What's Sammy thinking? And it'll be really interesting to see how it unfolds. But on, on face value, uh, he should be playing next week because he was magnificent. So... Uh, Maybe it's Frost and DGB that should be competing for a spot at the moment, not Hardigan, so that we have the gorilla that even when Frost and DGB are playing, we don't have. I gave him a seven and a half. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, we've asked a few questions for Sam's story this week. We've got a couple of uh, the whole Shields and Hardigan versus. McGuinness slash Warple and DGB is an interesting one to pose to Sam this week. I think it's a question for whether the media coffee probably Wednesday, given they're playing Saturday. Sam Butler continues to impress this judge anyway. 13 disposals, four kicks, nine handballs, two marks, a tackle, a goal, 69% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, seven uncontested possessions, six turnovers, he had uh, three score involvements and a goal assist. 44 metres gained, so he didn't sort of venture too much out of the uh, out of, uh, forward area of the ground. But, again, the game in the second half and Hawthorne came back into it. He seemed to thrive in the content. I think the coach signaled about after the game for a pretty good game as well. Daz? Yeah, and I think the telling stat there for Sam Butler is um, 22 pressure acts for the game, which is which is a really, really good effort. I think probably um, one less than Dylan Moore, who I think led the team for pressure acts. So he's, he's definitely doing all the right things for a small forward. Um, and I just love his, his, the way he carries himself, his swag, the fact that he just backs himself. He, he did this crazy behind-the-head um, hand pass at a crucial point in the game and turned it over. But I love that he's attempting that in a game like this. And I really, really rate Sam Butler. And I think he's he's the future and he's the he's the natural Luke Bruce replacement. Um, and if he's half as good as Bruce, then we've got a, a great player on our hands. So I'm going to 
six and a half. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to give him a six and a half. He might have already been a better butler. That looks like famous Harris, would He's this year, probably. You have a better year than his brother. That's for sure. Oh, no doubt about that. Connor McDonald, 10 disposals, uh, one goal, one. He had um, two marks, four tackles, 30% disposal efficiency, which is probably a bit disappointing, uh, four turnovers, um, four score involvements. He had four tackles, did not attend a centre bounce uh, like uh, last week when they had a good look at him. What did you make of his game, Andrew? Well, I think, you know, traditionally 10 disposals is nothing to get too excited about and certainly 30% efficiency isn't. But I think we have to focus on one of them that could potentially have been the play of the day and one of the plays of the year, and that was his goal. I think, correct me if I'm wrong in case I get any of the chain wrong, but that was out of the back line. Instead of chipping, deciding to come straight through the middle. I think it might have been, I don't know if Lewis was involved, but it was a Butler handball to McDonald who finished it off. And like that was the one where you turn and look at the person next to you and give a smile and just a look that is like, oh, that, that was absolute brilliant. So, you know what, like he gets a pass mark for the game. He obviously didn't have much of an effect on the game, but that moment was enough to go... This kid can play and give me one of those from him every game and I'll be happy this year that like he's gonna continue to develop and become a gun. Because that was just it was just he finished it off beautifully. It was a great passage of play. So I'll give him a five. Clearly rating where he hasn't had the sort of he's had the week's rest, but he hasn't gone back to Box Hill to work on his game unlike Josh Ward. So yeah, I thought he's uh, he just he's finding a rise your week. Certainly, when there's a bit of uh, argy bargy and push and shove at one side, well, he was front and center of it all. He was flying the flag big time. So he's uh, he's absolutely invested. In, oh, I want to take it backwards. That he's going to be beauty. Give him two. Give him two years. Uh, I think they're going to be very happy. I think I'll be happy with all three players, the, the top three draft picks from this year. But I think uh, he's going to be a good one. Yeah, interestingly enough, with this year's draft batch, and I mean. Forget Butler, let's just talk about McDonald and Waters, the mids. Because of the type of players they are, it lends more of the conversation of the question that you asked earlier, Ash, about, you know, Nash in there with those guys potentially does have a role because they're the silk, right? And they need the big bash and crash, which they get in John Newcomb, but... Nash can potentially be like the protector and enforcer and then let them just go about their business. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic uh, evolves. Ned Reeves had uh, seven disposals, two tackles, four marks, kicked a point. It was a crucial goal that he missed. I mean, I think it was 30 metres out from goal. I think he had a set shot. He should have recovered he'd kick it, but he obviously did not. Mainly offensive half, 79% of his time in the offensive half. He had uh, four contested, three uncontested possessions, three turnovers. Um, he took uh, took one mark inside 50. I said he should have kicked a goal, three clearances, 30 hit outs, four tackles, 
seven one percenters, two frees, four, four against, one inside 50, one rebound 50, 17 centre bounce attendances and 62 ruck contests. Darren, it was good to have him back. I think he probably faded a little bit in the second half and we didn't see, you know, he didn't have much of an impact, I guess, in the last quarter. We better for the run, but he's shown he's clearly an important player and did nothing today to change my opinion that in uh, three or four years' time, he'd be one of the best half dozen ruckmen in the competition. Yeah, agreed. And I think he, he, he probably needed another week. I think they had to sort of rush him back um, just to, to, you know, to get another ruckman into the team after last week's game that we'll never speak about again. So just happy he's back. And I thought I thought he gelled really well with Newcomb. Um, they've got some sort of synergy going on there and it's going to be exciting for him to, to keep developing there. And I just hope he gets a, a, a decent run now on the side and um, he came through unscathed and that's really the main thing. So a lot of aerial dominance, obviously, and I'd love for him to do more on the, around the ground, but you can't really expect much more in his first game back in a while. So I'm going to give him a five. Lastly, Joe Newcomb, 24 disposals, 13 kicks, 11 handballs, two marks, 12 tackles and a behind um, to run through. So he had um, two touches, two disposals in the first quarter, then he seven in the second, seven in the third, eight in the last um, some other key stats, five score involvements. He had eight clearances, including three centre clearances. He had 12 tackles, as we said, 19 centre bounce attendances, 108 fancy points for those who play uh, one free four, three frees against. Noticeable that, I mean, it's interesting. He obviously, he had a few touches in the second quarter. I didn't really notice as much, but I thought he was pivotal in the third quarter. Uh, in the second quarter, they were weren't quality touches, but they certainly were in throughout the second half. And his manic attack on the footy, boy from Puwong, the winner it got, the more it was like home for him. And I thought he played a stellar second half and probably the key reason Hawthorne got back in the game. Quite emotional having the having the privilege of being able to be the you know first of being assigned to Jai. He was clearly the best player on the ground in the second half of the game. And, you know, we've been crying out for years for midfielders that have a significant impact on the game. And 12 tackles and eight clearances in the conditions. You know, I think clearly the knock is um, potentially the quality of disposal sometimes. But, you know, some of the players he makes me think of in that regard are like a, you know, a Brad Sewell who at times you just need someone to get the ball and get it forward and keep that momentum going and be busting through and bearing in and under and he's not scared to tackle and he's not scared to bump and, you know, he's just a kid and his physicality is outstanding. Uh, And the metres he gets, the penetration he gets is significant. So I thought despite having a quiet first half, um, he was, like I said, clearly the best player on the ground in the second half. He, he's, we're halfway through the season. He's almost certainty to be top three in the best and fairest already. 
Um, it was another good pick for why he should win the Rising Star Award, but people will probably compare his stats. I think Dacos had 24 as well today, uh, so I don't feel like they were anywhere near as defining. So another tick in the Rising Star column, and yeah, I thought he was magnificent. I gave him an 8 out of 10. Daz, do you think he tries to do too much with the ball sometimes? A bit too cute with the underground handballs and that sort of thing? No. <laughs> I loved it. I, I loved it. All of it. It was just just awesome to watch. And I think it was just ex- so exciting every time we got the ball. Because, yeah, it's unpredictable, but it's really how this team plays footy. And he's, he's, he's part of it and he's part of this taking the game on at all costs and it's swashbuckling footy and it's slingshot footy and, you know, maybe the, the time will come for, for him to kind of put jive ball away for a bit and be a bit more composed. But for now, I'm, I'm just loving it. I'm loving the dare of his game. Um, I think Nick Dacos got 36 touches in the end. Uh, did he? Really? So, um, but, you know, it's chalk and cheese comparing those two because Dacos... Just very different players. So yeah. different, um, but you know, I'm just just in love with John Newcomb's game at the moment. And there's no it. question. There's no question which of the two of them had a greater impact on the game today, though. right? Or is that just me with tinted glasses on? Ash, what do you think? Oh, I think 36 touches is pretty. It's pretty good, and Kyle. Colin played well for the first quarter, and he he played. I think he started really well. Colin, you know, five five Colin got five goals up midway to the second quarter, and they're playing some really good footy. And Dacos was front and center of that, but Newcomb was certainly played a big part in Hawthorne getting back into the game. You can tell with Newcomb, Hawthorne supporters adore him already, and it's just every time he gets the ball, there's this expect, there's this, there's this, there's this excitement and this expectation he's going to do something. With the footy and supporters are just loving the story and it's loving the fact that they've plucked this guy out, told us to accomplish to get stuff for signing for two and a half years. We don't care what you think, and he's going to be ours. And he's a Hawthorne supporter, so he's one one of us beforehand, and he's going to be a ten year player for Hawthorne. But I think people are very excited about uh, about if this is what he does after twenty games. How's he going to be after one hundred twenty? So. Um, yeah, I think you know what I think as well. After the second half of the season last season. There's been no second-year blues. I don't know if maybe that means that next year is actually what counts as his official full second year, but he's actually gotten better and stronger, and it makes it so much more exciting. Look forward to seeing how he goes next week against guys like Sorong and Brayshaw. That'll be really good. And uh, you know, they've got and uh, and Brody. They've got obviously a really good midfield trio, and uh, sort of a great test for him to see. How he stacks up against those so you're traveling across the country to go against him. So that'll be good. Uh, and just finally, uh, the coach, how do we rate his performance today? Yeah, I think, you know, we went into the game knowing that we talked about sliding doors the other day and the Mitchell versus McRae. I think he did pretty well. Anytime you can make a few tweaks when you're five goals down and change to suit the conditions and claw yourself back into the game you've made some pretty good changes I still question the you know the and I understand the whole Reeves situation with how many how much footy he's played in recent times but you just got to find a way to get him out there in my opinion um, 
So unless he legitimately couldn't move, uh, I, I'm not sure why he spent so little of that last few minutes in the ruck as opposed to Cozzy. But again, you know, he's, he's pulled a few very good strings. You also talked, Ash, about bringing Hardy in, and that was a stroke of genius too. Um, so, yeah, I think he, he had a very, very good day at the office. He said that he half time in the media conference, he said he made a lot of, they changed a lot of things at half time. And, you know, he didn't, there was no follow up question as to, well, what were they, Sam? But he obviously made a lot of changes reflecting the game. I thought Hawthorne in the second quarter, probably last 10 minutes, started to take control of the game without really reflecting on the scoreboard. And they could have gone in at half time. They were 23 points down. I think they could have gone in at half time, you know, two or three goals down because they, they had the better of the last 10 minutes, but then the changes were made at half time and in the third quarter they showed them the scoreboard. So I think it was a pretty good day at the office. And, um, look, Collingwood are a good – Collingwood – McRae's done an amazing job with Collingwood. Let's not shy, shy away from that. He's done a really good job. I and mean, from where they've come from to where they are is terrific and the credit the credit to, to, to McRae. Um, and – Hawthorne well, stuck up well against them. They're 7-5 heading into the Melbourne game off Queen's birthday now, which will be massive. Um, that'll, be really, that'll be huge next Monday. Yeah, we can... Yeah, I mean, no I, Grundy. Sorry, Gondaz. No, I was saying he's done a great job. With it. I, I think it's also the usual suspects that are winning those games for them. And, you know, how and you take how and Pendles and all of those guys and side bottom out of that last quarter and we win the game. So, you know... He's done a terrific job, but I think that their senior senior players really were the ones that were the proved to be that difference in the last quarter in the end. They also missing Grundy, Elliot, the late withdrawal, who always, you know, is pretty cheeky against stuff. Uh, Rough Ed retiring, he's had to make adjustments down back with, you know, he's been a cornerstone of their defence. So he's done a pretty good job, all things considered. No, he's done that. Well, we talked before. All three first-year coaches are doing really well, and uh, going better than a couple of second-year coaches. That's for sure. Who are really struggling um, over at North and Essendon. So that's been our player review on Hawks Insiders. We'll get our match review up in the next little while. Um, next day, also we'll have our sort of our expansive written um, review. We will be back on Tuesday night with our space. Thursday night footy back in the AFL, I think, for the next five weeks. So we're going to move our spaces back to the traditional during Thursday night football time of Tuesday, about 25 past eight, and try and rustle a couple of guests up there. You look a bit uncertain about that, Andrew. That you got something on? or? Yeah, I'm not sure I will be available for the Tuesday night. Hence me mentioning Thursday earlier and getting that one wrong. So, But we'll talk about that offline. I'm oh, not sure. Yeah. More people with that one. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Tuesdays for the next little while. Keep visiting Hawks Insiders. We thank you for your support, as always. Please uh, rate and review this podcast on uh, iTunes or Apple. Who are the podcast players these days, Daz? This is your wheelhouse. Who are the what? Podcast Sorry. providers these days of choice. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, who else? Spotify, maybe Tidal now. Um, Apple Music, um, geez, Wooshka. I think that's, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying a bunch of words right now. It's pretty late. It's, pretty late. <laughs> it's very late. We've all been there. We've had a hectic weekend. So, 
fact, we're still here close to midnight on Sunday night doing this podcast. We get three votes as well. I think we all get a solid seven out of ten for doing it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you again in a couple of days on the spaces. Thanks for your support, as always, of Hawks Insiders. Enjoy what's left of the weekend, and we'll talk to you again very, sh- thanks. Uh, very soon. Thanks for listening, and bye.